0: So let's pray as we begin this talk together. Father, I'm just so uh, humbled and utterly grateful to be standing here today to share the words of Jesus and to share your heart with your people now and pray that you just move in our midst and do absolutely everything that you want to do in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanted to begin with what I saw when we were standing in the circle at the beginning of the service today. It's partly why I want to record uh, this for you. Is that As we were standing in what was almost a circle, um, I just noted that as Lydia stepped forward, it became a sort of a heart-shaped thing. And as we were in that heart, I just had this overwhelming sense of what God's cementing and doing in this congregation here now, being a heart for this place, because many of you come to me from time to time and say, we don't know what the plans are going to be for this building and all this sort of thing, what's the strategy and, and all this sort of thing and, and there's a bit where you just got to go with actually God's revealing it and it's coming and there's some of you who are be saying look please will you pray about coming on the church councils where we make those decisions and that sort of thing to you but, but there's a huge sense that all the stuff that God's going to do in this building and it's going to be looking utterly different in four years time is going to come out of this heart that just beat so powerfully, and as I saw the heart there, it beated. <laughs> and the heart was just enormous. It was, it was like you know, you imagine a big blow-up um, sort of bouncy castle type thing. The heart was there on the floor in the midst of us, but when it beated, it just booms out of the building. It just like expanded massively, and it, it felt to me like whatever we do in here, and all the people who are going to come in for stuff, there's nothing to do with church are going to be wham-bammed by God uh, because his heart is here powerfully. And something of what God wants to do with us this morning is about training that initial team, that, um, that heartbeat team that is going to keep beating with God's power and love. Uh, and it's going to just change people's lives all around. Does, does that make sense? Does that resonate with people at all? There's, there's, uh, there's something foundational that God's doing in this season in this congregation that is going to enable his mission and his gospel to go out in all sorts of ways here through unexpected and surprising ways and as people come into this building for different activities, be it theatre or whatever they come in for they're going to go, oh my goodness me and the power of God is just going to overwhelm people in places they don't understand they won't realise why they're being overwhelmed Keir told a story yesterday at the Alpha day that he's told many times, I don't think he minds this one being repeated. But it was he was just driving along in the fast lane in his fast car with his fast executive job of a motorway. And suddenly the power of God came upon him. And he was just overwhelmed by the love of God. He wasn't looking for God that day. He wasn't actively particularly seeking God that day. But he had to pull in to the side of the road and stop for two hours while he was just overwhelmed by the love of God. And the heartbeat of God from what he's going to do in this congregation is going right out into the community in different ways and people's lives are going to be touched and changed in in striking ways so how do we get the right heartbeat going and that's the big question of this talk how do you get the heartbeat going jesus at this stage in matthew's gospel that we've come to here here matthew um lays this one on the line for us it's crystal clear uh and this is where you, you may just have to hold on to your seats for the duration of this talk, because it, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's not even slightly comfortable. Um, and Jesus rarely is comfortable. And so he's, he's picked up his four disciples, and he's given them the Sermon on the Mount, and, and the crowd have begun to listen in on him. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the waves crashing down, and the, and the, the wise and foolish builders. And he says, if you're building your life on my words, you're a wise person. And your life will stand up against the storm. And people are hearing what he's saying and they're catching some of his charisma, his personality, his heart, his compassion, especially, I think, is what they see in him. They're catching his compassion. They're seeing how his compassion heals the sick. And he's changing people's lives and he's reinstating people into community in ways which are extraordinary. They're seeing Jesus and they want to hang around with him. And, and all sorts of people want to hang around with him. One of the people who wants to hang around with him is is someone who wants quite a bit of status out of his life. Anyone want that in their lives? A bit of status, a bit of recognition, a bit of, oh, you did a good job, actually. Oh, I really like, you're a wonderful person. Oh, wow, how did you do that? I could never do that. Anyone like that sort of thing? Most of us quite appreciate it, don't we? And he he was one of those people. He he worked hard to get that sort of recognition, that sort of status. He worked really hard at it. He, He had been training. When he was at school, he'd learned how to recite the whole Torah off by heart. That's the first five books of the scripture. That's a pretty tough job. Anyone be able to recite the Ten Commandments here? <laughs> In all their totality? He could recite the whole of those first five books. And then having done that, he'd learn the rest of the Old Testament as well off by heart. <laughs> He worked really hard at what he was doing, and and at that stage, once you got to that level of graduation, that sort of master's level, um, you don't get to do that in master's theology these days, they just waste your time talking about other stuff, but in those days they impregnated you with the word of God so that you were some use at the end of the course. And he got to the end of the course, and he uh, had that sort of right to choose who was going to be his teacher. And the thing that they did was they, they would go to, say, Jonna here, master guru Jonna, and say, hmm, let's, uh, let's suss you up a bit. You look pretty, sort of on the holy stakes. I'll give you a 7 out of 10, maybe, the disheveled. The but I, I like something like charisma, uh, the hairline. I like that one. Um, I quite like to be a bit like Jonna. I'll hang around with him. But hang on a second, his feel. Um, Phil's got, yeah, he's got less hair. There's more grey. That's a sign of wisdom. And, um, yeah, he's got a funny smile and the eyes thing. and That that could be good. Or they wouldn't have have ignored the women in those days, sorry. They've gone to Tom and go, yeah, wow, that's it. I'm going to hang out with Tom. Look at that. He's still got all his hair and he looks like he's got a lot of potential in him. And and what you would do, you'd try and suss out and go, who am I going to follow? Who am I going to disciple myself to? And this guy comes up to Jesus and he says... Hmm, I think you're quite good. I'm not quite sure yet, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that if I hang out with you because you do miracles and you teach in a way that no one else teaches, (laughs) that you're probably better than these other rabbis that I've checked out. (laughs) And I've worked hard at this, so I want to hitch myself to the best ride. I want to hitch myself to the star (laughs) and go somewhere. And Jesus says to him, son... Foxes, they've got holes. Birds have got nests. But the son of man has got absolutely nowhere to lay his head. So even the wild beasts have got some place they can call home. Something in this world they can hang on to that says, yeah, it's great that you're back. But if you want to follow me around... You're going to have to say goodbye to status. You're going to have to say goodbye to the affirmation of people saying, oh, you're wonderful, you're brilliant. (laughs) God, I'm so glad you're in our church. (laughs) If it wasn't for you, this place wouldn't be what it is today. (laughs) Oh, God, you're brilliant. You're going to have to wave goodbye to the stuff that you hang on to that isn't God himself affirming you supernaturally and to your heart. You're going to have to wave goodbye to it because that's not what you've got coming your way another person comes up to Jesus and uh, he's someone who wants to have security (laughs) anyone like a bit of security want to get my mortgage paid off (laughs) make sure my kids they're settled Uh, lovely story of the lady who said that she was able to die now because she got her youngest son into nursing home (laughs) You know, I want security for my family. I want security for myself. You know, I just, just want to be all right. Uh, he said, Jesus, I'll follow you. Um, but just let me get that inheritance that's coming my way first. <laughs> you know, when I'm financially secure, <laughs> when I've buried my father, I'm, you know, then, then I'll follow you when there's nothing much left to risk. <laughs> I was talking to my little brother yesterday. He's a great guy. He runs a full, full facts. He's fact-checking the election. Um, all the politicians and stuff like that, making sure their words add up. And every time they don't, he, uh, he highlights it. Uh, he's really popular in Westminster. <laughs> um, but he was saying that, that thing about calculated risk. A calculated risk is really something that isn't a risk at all, isn't it? <laughs> if you want to follow Jesus it's, it's about falling off the edge of a cliff <laughs> actually there's not really another way to do it you take a step out across an abyss and you just have to trust the everlasting arms of grace and Jesus says to him you're going to have to let the dead bury the dead son <laughs> if you want it all sewn up, if you want to be secure if you want everything on a plate for you you, you can't follow me You can't be my disciple. Well, that's a flipping difficult thing, Jesus, isn't it? I think I'll go back to that other church now that I came from. (laughs) They were nicer to me. That's a flipping difficult thing, isn't it? You can't have the affirmation and you can't have the security except the one that was given to Jesus when he was about to go into a wilderness. You do know the thing about the wilderness, don't you? If you're going for a wilderness time in your life today, (laughs) you say, I haven't heard from God for a while. I feel distant from God. You do do know the thing there, isn't it? You have to work out who put you in the wilderness. (laughs) Did God put you in the wilderness? In which case, hang in there for 40 days and 40 nights. (laughs) Expect some temptation. But speak the word of God back. But if you put yourself in the wilderness, then get out of there as fast as you can. (laughs) If you just have disobeyed God in some way, if you've rebelled against God in some way, get out of the wilderness. But what God said to Jesus before he went into the wilderness was this, you're my beloved son, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. There's the love, there's the affirmation, there's the valuing, a security, acceptance, significance from God the Father. And if you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, you've got to get all of those things from the Father in heaven and not from earthly means. (laughs) It's the only way. It's the only way to be my disciple. See, the problem if, you, if you're not getting your love, acceptance and value from the Father in heaven. And it is the Father in heaven that this love flows from. You've got to get that thing. If you don't know a good earthly father, it may take a download of who Jesus is to teach you who the Father is. But it comes from the Father, God, who so loved the world that he gave his son for you. You've got to get this from the Father. And when the Father pours his love into you, it's what you need But if you're not getting it from the Father... you you put it in other places let's go for a a hard example when I became a Christian at 17 I was um, I was still quite caught up in um, well, I had been in in things of, um, of lust and that sort of thing and for a season God gave me just a real break from it I was utterly free for a number of weeks and then I had this devastating fall where I was just like oh no I've gone back to worse than I was And over over the year that followed, what what happened in my life was I was growing with God. I I read the Bible in three months, or the Old Testament in three months, or New Testament a couple of times, I think. Um, But even in that sort of ten chapters a day regime of trying to get closer to God, I was was slipping away from God at times. And what happened, I'd go to a party, as six formers do, and there was this one particular girl who had always been out of my league. But now that I've become a Christian, suddenly she'd become into my league suddenly she was interested in me where she hadn't been before. And she was sort of a Catholic and she had this sort of moral code in that she wasn't going to sleep with anyone until she was 18. <laughs> and, and she somehow became amazingly attractive to me. And on three occasions in that year, we, we ended up um, uh, together in a party and it was getting to the point where her 18th birthday was coming up and we were due to go to a, a special school pool together. And my heart was just turning away from God <laughs> towards her. And on the Alpha Holy Spirit Day, I ended up with um, Nicky Gumbel was on the video. And I was there. This is sort of nine months after my conversion. And uh, we got to sing that song, purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. My heart's one desire is to be holy. Um, And I couldn't sing the words. I just physically was incapable of singing the words. And I got in desperation at this point, because I knew I'd lost the thing that was more precious to me than anything else. I was in utter desperation. I grabbed a hymn book. I grabbed a Bible. I went to the balcony of this Baptist church, um, ignoring everyone else in the room, just went away. And I just desperately tried to sing because when I'd been converted, I was, suddenly I was released to sing, when well, I hadn't been able to sing before. I tried to sing praises to God, and suddenly I was singing in a language I'd never learned. No one ever talks about this in my thing. I was just singing. I came down from those stairs after about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, and my face was glowing, and I'd been transformed in, in God's grace. I hadn't really looked back from that over the last 18 years. But what happened after that is that the enemy and the temptation became more subtle. So when I got to university uh, there was a girl who was a christian <laughs> they're not really going for it with god and i had to say no to that and then there were others and it was was this going to be a distraction or not and then after two years i met uh, someone called nicola plum a lovely beautiful girl five foot two brown hair um just saw her and i was just blown away by her across the room um Went through sort of a heart-wrenching time where there were times where she wasn't sure about whether we were right for each other. um, And I was really sure about it and was holding on in there. Um, And then there was a season where I went into uh, where I was living and I just felt God say, I want you to give her up now. And I'd done the, the person who wasn't a Christian, the person who might be pulling me away from God. And here was a girl who was evangelism secretary of a Christian union at a university. She was, you know, she was on fire for God. Nothing outwardly where you'd say, this, this is wrong. And God I want you to give this person up. And my curate, curates are a great thing. One day I think you'll be a curate. They're a great thing, Lydia. And, uh, curate's a great thing. He said to me, When God asks you to give something up, often what he's saying is held it out in your hands like that. Give it utterly to him. Put it, if you like, altar and see if he gives it back to you. But you have to utterly let go of it. Do you see? You have to utterly let go of it. There are people here today who are going to have to utterly let go of your children. (laughs) If you want to follow Jesus today. Or maybe your desire to have children, or your desire for a spouse, or whatever it may be. Big, difficult things that make the heartbeat of following Christ. And it was agonizing to do this. And in my situation, God gave her back to me, and we've been married for 11 and a half years now. And you hear her preaching here from time to time. But there's no guarantee if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross. <laughs> that's, that's the entry point with Jesus. You have to take up your cross. There's lots of people who get to be in the crowds, the oklos, the crowds, but the matheters, the disciples, they're the people who, who lay it down. And my sense is that as we become the heartbeat of God here, that there's... For most of us here, from time to time, something that accompanies us on our journey, that is a bit like a scrawny, almost unimportant, but horrifically difficult snake that wraps itself around us, squeezes us a bit, and whispers in our ear, (laughs) and just speaks untruth to us. Yes, of course, you can follow Jesus, but only when the kids are okay. Yes, of course I can follow Jesus, but only if they recognize how wonderful I am and tell me so on a regular basis and give me positions of authority and influence. Yes, of course you can follow Jesus, but only when you know that you're just secure and you can do it as a hobby in your spare time a bit later on tomorrow and tomorrow never comes that's the the slightly bad news the good news is that the snake comes off ever so easily because it's already been defeated and as you say thank you God for freeing me the snake just falls off (laughs) it's just really quite easy because Jesus has already liberated you from the power of those things comes off and Jesus beautifully crushes it under his feet as it's promised in Genesis 3. <laughs> I say it comes off easily, but it's, it's heart surgery, isn't it? And heart surgery is never going to be comfortable. I had an image for, for Mike, Mike Tufnell this morning as he's, he's preaching at our other site of him... Smashing down uh, an idol in his preaching this morning. (laughs) We all raise up different idols. And in Gideon's story in Judges, we looked at it last term. Gideon, in the night, breaks down an idol that his father revered. But this was in the daylight. Breaking down the idols of our culture and of our hearts. The idol of a marriage that we long for, of the children that we long for, of the finances that we long for these are idols and if you want to follow me there's no ifs and there's no buts there's no buts and there's no ifs (laughs) it's all of you or actually what Jesus says is none of you it's not our normal way of wooing people in it's not really what we do on the Alpha course (laughs) we're ever so gentle and just say come as much as you want to dip your toes in but actually, if you follow Jesus long enough, it comes to the point where you bang your head on the wall of, do, do I want him or not? <laughs> do I want status, affirmation, credit? Or do I want him to have it all? And these are daily questions, aren't they? These aren't ones that easily go away. I was... Um, I was affirmed in something yesterday, and, uh, and actually in the affirmation that you get, there becomes a temptation to go, oh yeah, I'm quite good actually, aren't I? <laughs> and you have to learn the trick of receiving affirmation that people give you because of something God's done, which is a true thing, and thanking God for it, saying here you are God, if it wasn't for you, none of this would have been possible. You don't reject the affirmation, you don't say no to the things people say, you don't reject the housing you've got, you don't get rid of your kids, you don't get rid of your marriage, you don't chuck them all away. But you learn how to say thank you to God for them, and to hold them lightly, and to praise him, and to realize that all the glory goes to him. I'm just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come on us now. And I'm going to hand over to Lydia and to Tom to lead us in in a response time. They will include the chance to maybe write down stuff that might hold us back from God and take them to the cross in the chapel. But this could be the most important day of your life today. If there's something that he wants you to crush under his feet, to be loosened from and to become a real disciple and if you're really resistant to this right now just interrogate your own heart for a second and say why am I resisting this why on earth am I resisting this just ask yourself the question interrogate your heart Extraordinarily wonderful, loving, heavenly Father risen, ascended glorified Christ in heaven we just ask that you will send your beautiful healing, life giving spirit on us now, come Holy Spirit thank you so much for your presence here now please come and do everything you want to do in our midst now Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just before we do um, respond in uh, worship and, and also allow time to maybe come and write something, as Richard said on these pieces of paper and and maybe take it to the cross in the chapel. Let's just spend a moment in silence and